what's up welcome to zf1 amateur hosted by me humura ruth i hope you're doing great i hope you're doing lovely thank you so much for tuning in i do appreciate you taking some time to listen to the zf1 amateur podcast i really do i hope you're doing great otherwise and i hope you're doing well if it's not going right for you if it's not going according to plan don't hesitate to take it to the lord in prayer believe me he has your best interests at heart so let him know about everything now welcome to today's episode like last week's episode i will be answering some of the most google questions when it comes to formula one and this week i'm going to be answering how to become a formula one driver how much an f1 car is wow i mean people do google that it's pretty pricey but i don't know affordable to some people and then how to buy that f1 car and then how f1 points are awarded how f1 cars work and which formula one teams are best in the united kingdom i will get into that but before we do that i'm going to give you some news what has been happening behind the scenes in formula one we have news with lewis hamilton kevin magnuson fernando alonso and many more so stay tuned let's do this Sorry to interrupt your news, but I am Homura Ruth. I host the show and I come from Uganda. I love Uganda. It's a beautiful country in Africa and there's a lot of different perspectives people have towards Africa and towards Uganda in general. So I decided to create a podcast called Zihumor Show that debunks the myths and ideologies about Africa and instead showcases the beauty of Uganda and Africa at large to you. Just look for Zihumor Show on any podcasting platform and you'll be sure to listen in. Okay, back to Formula One. So before we get into the show, I am going to apologize for my microphone you will hear a bit of explosives coming in here and there but i am working on it i told you i had a crazy week but that aside here's what's been happening in formula one now good news lewis hamilton finally signed that mercedes contract which everybody had been waiting for him to sign i mean honestly we did know that he was going to sign the contract but we didn't know when and then there was this whole thing of like what if he doesn't sign and george russell replaces him and all that but thank god he did sign i'm excited to see him drive and i'm excited i hope he does get the eighth world um title well i was going to say eighth world championship I don't know whatever it is. I hope he wins the title in 2021. Now, I know I said I hope Daniel Ricciardo wins it, but it would be nice for like Lewis Hamilton to set another kind of record. And the thing is, he has signed this Mercedes contract for one year. So he's going to be a driver for Mercedes for only 2021. And thereafter, we're not sure about what will happen. Now, bear in mind that both Mercedes drivers' contracts will expire in December 2021. So, Bottas' ex, uh, contract with Mercedes expires this year, at the end of this year, at the end of the season. Lewis Hamilton's contract will expire at the end of the season, which leaves Mercedes, like, empty. And a lot of people uh, gone, uh, um, anticipating to see George Russell move up to Mercedes because George Russell's contract with Williams also comes to an end at the end of 2021. We'll see about that. Where Valtteri Bottas will be, I am not sure. He might remain at Mercedes. He might leave Mercedes. Who knows? Anyway, so 
And the contract includes a commitment from both sides, both Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes, to create a joint charitable foundation which will support gender, which will support greater diversity and inclusion in all forms in motorsport. Lewis is quoted saying, and I quote, I am equally determined to continue the journey we started to make motorsport more diverse for future generations. And I am grateful that Mercedes has been extremely supportive of my call to address this issue. I am proud to say we are taking that effort further this year by launching a foundation dedicated to diversity and inclusion in the sport. End of quote. That's, that's a beautiful thing that Lewis Hamilton is doing. I love what he's doing. I always love this whole idea of like if you get a job and you know you you work at that that organization or that workplace that you're working at and then you, the, your job comes to an end and then you just leave and then you're forgotten and all that. But I love the fact that Lewis is like still leaving his sprint in the sport. Of course, we'll never forget him. Guy equaled Michael Schumacher. But I love the fact that he's going a step further and changing the things that needed to be changed. And I would really love to see greater diversity and inclusion when it comes to Formula One. Because let's be honest, 90% of the drivers or even more on the grid are from Europe. You don't really see drivers from many different parts of the world. And it would be nice to see drivers from other parts of the world to include that. And of course, I also know that it's a tight spot because you only have 20 seats for the best drivers in the entire world. But then again, you should see a bit more people from different parts of the world and lewis is working on that so that's great and he'll never be forgotten but that which kind of also makes you you know know that despite the fact that lewis's contract will end at the end of 2021 formula one season He's not leaving Mercedes just like that. He's still going to be working in Formula One with this charitable foundation that is going to um start working in Formula One. So he's not just living like that. He's going to be working in Formula One as well. Now, there are also rumors that Lewis Hamilton requested to have veto powers on Max Verstappen as his future teammate. But those rumors were shut down by Toto Wolf. First of all, I didn't understand where that was coming from. Because when you look at it, if Lewis has signed a one-year contract with Mercedes. That means he's living him. He probably will live at the end of 2020 when we're not sure. But then Max Verstappen has a contract with Red Bull that goes on up to 2023. So that's a very long time for Max Verstappen to be able to be a teammate with Lewis Hamilton. Because we all know there's no way Lewis is going to Red Bull. I mean, bam. but you can never say never. And now I love what Martin Brando, a former Formula One driver and F1 commentator, says. He believes that Lewis' new one-year deal with Mercedes is unusual and that it may be with an aim for both parties to keep their options for 2022. Mercedes is open in 2022 because they literally have no drivers and everyone is like has been eyeing that. Remember last a few episodes back I told you about um how Helmer Marco from Red Bull senior advisor how he advised Sebastian Vettel to take a sabbatical in 2021 and come back in 2022 because the driver market will be more open to drivers like him. So 2022 is going to be an exciting one. Speaking of drivers not having seats in 2022, I don't know about Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly has been in Alpha Tui and his contract probably ends in 2021 at the end of the season. So where is he going in 2022? So I think there's going to be an interesting, you know, I think we're going to go some through something that we've gone through this year. 
when it comes to 2022 there are going to be drivers who are leaving the grid and new drivers coming and wondering who's signing a contract and who's not signing a contract and i probably i mean we shall be wondering whether lewis will be back in f1 or whether he'll not be back in f1 now still talking about mercedes as a team it looks like mercedes is having a bit of trouble like it did in 2014 but it's trouble that they can handle the mercedes engine Chief Highwell Thomas revealed in a video that the team is facing issues with the power units, but they do have plans to fix those issues, and hopefully it will all be set by the first race. This is not the first time they've had those issues, but the thing is not it's not how you start, it's how you end. And we always do see Mercedes end pretty nicely. And I was in a WhatsApp, um not a WhatsApp group, um an Instagram group chat, and I was talking with people and I was like, now that McLaren, oh my god, McLaren is actually an Bailing their car today, today, Monday, today at 7 p.m. You can watch that on Sky Sports F1 or McLaren YouTube channel, the McLaren app, and other different places. But McLaren is launching their new F1 car today, and the car has a Mercedes engine. So I was wondering, remember last year when Racing Point got a Mercedes engine, and then they were so fast, and then they were sued, and there was all this drama that was happening, and now McLaren is getting a, an F1 engine um and it's car it makes me wonder is mclaren going to be really competing with racing point are those going to be the other two new teams that are you know fighting to be number three or number two in the championship makes you wonder but anyway moving on still talking about formula one teams red bull has finally reached an agreement that allows them to use the honda power unit by the two red bull owned teams that's red bull racing and alpha Turi, even after the 2021 season when honda leaves formula one so i talked about this in a few episodes back if you've been following my formula one news over time you realize that uh, i talked about you know you're not realized but you get to know that i talked about how red bull has been trying to get the eye IPs of Honda engines since Honda is leaving Formula One after 2021. And because they couldn't get the dilemma that Red Bull was in is they couldn't get a Mercedes to give them an engine because number one, Mercedes has a lot of customers, it can't supply them. And then number two, I don't really think Mercedes would want to give its biggest competitor their engine. And then the other alternative that Red Bull would have had to get an engine would have been going to Renault, but they had good stop getting their engine from Renault because it wasn't performing. And going back to Renault would have been a bit of shaming for them so that left them with ferrari and ferrari clearly didn't want to supply red bull so the alternative they had was to take over the honda engine ip in order to be able to compete in formula one now they've been able to reach an agreement like i said which means red bull is going to use the honda engine through 2021 up to 2022 and thereafter i am not sure but that does come at an advantage usually formula one engines can be developed but apparently there's going to be some kind of development freeze so you can't a mercedes is not really going to upgrade their engine to be so much more powerful than it was which leaves red bull in a better spot because then as they're not um, an engine making company they're for goodness sake a formula one team that um is more known as a, as a drink so doing engines is not their thing and so the fact that the engine development has kind of been frozen gives them an advantage because if they're using the engines that they that are similar to the ones they used last year and last year they did very well competitively that means they do still stand a chance this year to compete favorably thanks to the engine freeze you can also listen to that in my previous episodes 
Elsewhere, the Spanish Formula One track in Barcelona is being altered. They are changing, making some changes to the tight hairpin at turn 10, which was deemed unsafe for drivers and bikers. So that is being worked on. It's a project being conducted by the FIA and the FIM. It's good to put the safety of the drivers first, I think. I always say that. I mean, it's entertaining, but you know, their lives do come first because at the end of the day, these are human beings, these are brothers, you know, children, husbands, and, and wives. Uh, though that's very rare to see a female driver, but these are people. So their safety does come first. So the track is being altered ahead of its Formula One race this season. Now, to divert a bit from Formula One, when it comes to injuries in the sport, in motorsport, um, I was watching, I think, is it, I was watching motorsport and we're talk, they were talking about how Mark Marquez from MotoGP, how he got an injury in the middle of the season. And then, I don't know, a few days later, he got uh, surgery and then, Within a few days later, he was back on the track and he was racing and then he injured the arm again. And now he's due for more surgeries and it's, it feels like it's just gets, getting worse. And, what, and Valentino Rossi was, you know, saying, why do they let that kind of thing happen? Why do they let, you know, a driver's gotten an injury? Why doesn't he take enough time off to completely heal instead of bringing him back mid-season when he's not yet healthy? And I was also thinking about it, like, why do you do that? And I, in my opinion, I feel like Mark Marquez, he is, he's a good driver. He is a driver biker racer he's won a lot of trophies in his time honestly and i get it that you still want more but you guys put your lives first i feel like put your health first put your life first before all these other things because all these other things they fed they you know when you go to bed at night i don't know if you're really thinking about those things but you know just learn to put the things that matter the most first before you know the other things now another driver who has been going through tough time because of an injury is fernando alonso fernando alonso has been hospitalized after being involved in a cycling accident in switzerland and that happened a few days back and according to italian la gazzetta della sport newspaper he's in good condition at a hospital in switzerland he has a few fractures including one on his upper jaw but hopefully he'll be able to undertake preparation for the formula one season in 2021 you know he took a break off for two years and now he's back he's my sister my little sister his favorite driver and he suffered all these injuries it's a bit very unsad but hopefully he's getting better and receiving all the treatment that he needs and the season is not beginning anytime soon it's a couple of weeks away so get well soon fernando alonso we're praying for you Still talking about Formula One drivers, Kevin Magnussen, who left Formula One after the 2020 season, F1 season, says he has no desire to return to Formula One. Now, he, say, he has been saying that for a long time, but recently, Haas, the Haas F1 team, said that in case they needed a substitute driver when, you know, something happens, and hopefully it doesn't happen, but in case a Mick Schumacher or Nikita Mazepin wasn't able to race in their Haas Formula One car, then they would you know, have the desire to call on um, Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean to replace them. But Roman Grosjean says he would be willing to replace anybody to be a substitute driver because Roman Grosjean has clearly stated his love and desire to come back to F1. But, Roma, uh, but Kevin Magnussen says no, he would not want to come back to F1 at any one point in time. In fact, a few months back in 2020, he sat down with a Danish magazine called Dozier and he was saying, um, in response to you know returning to Formula One, he said this, and I quote, 
I can't really tell me exactly who proposed the contract because it might offend someone if I say that. In any case, this team was no, was not better than hers, so making decisions was not difficult. Although I had a chance to stay in Formula One, I no I no longer had the motivation to continue fighting at the end of the grid. I wanted a chance to win in one of the best teams. End of quote. That's what Kevin Magnussen said in response to returning to Formula One. Apparently, a, a team lower than Haas offered him a position in Formula One, and he rejected that. Now, a lot of fans were saying that this was probably Williams, because which other team was lower than Haas when it comes to F1? And Kevin Magnussen rejected that. And I think he was right in rejecting it, because when you think about it, F1, Kevin Magnussen is, he's not old, but when it comes to Formula 1 driving, he's getting old. And he's been fighting in a bottom team. Now, to put him in a team that is performing way lesser than the team that he was in, is just putting him back at the, you know, back at the back of the grid, which is something he's not liked for a long time. I also wouldn't like that for a long time. And I think it's hard for him, because when he was in Formula 1, for how many years? Was he in Formula 1 for 10 years, 9, 8 years? But the first podium was his last podium and his first podium was his first race in formula one now i bet after that race everyone was like oh this wonder boy who just walked into f1 and you know on his first race gets a podium wow what you know all that excitement and hype and then years go by and he's never stepped on the podium and he's not doing as well as he wants and he's not in a team that is able to give him that opportunity i think it you know it hurts, and sometimes you just need to learn to let go of the things that are not working. But it's just a blessing to have been in a place like he has been, to have done F1. So I wish him good luck, and I think he made a good decision to come back to F1, unless it's with a bigger, better team. Now, he's now competing, racing in the USA in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. If you'd like to follow him, you should look for that car championship and then watch him. Now, let's go on and answer some of the most Googled Formula One questions. Last week, I answered some of the most Googled Formula One questions. And this week, I am still doing the same as we do up for the Formula One season that's just around the corner. The days are really, what do you say? The days are counting down or I'm counting down the days. I think that's what you would say. But the days are becoming fewer and fewer as we get closer to the Formula One season. And by the way, did I tell you that today, Monday, the 15th of February, I think is, was it Will Buxton's birthday today? Will Buxton's birthday was last yesterday. I don't know, but whatever. Happy belated birthday to Will Buxton. We love him. And today, McLaren is unveiling their new Formula One car. We'll get to see London Norris, Daniel Ricciardo for the first time. And the, their F1 car will be released. You can follow that on Sky Sports F1. Or you can uh, live stream it from the McLaren YouTube channel. That's where I'm going to be. Or you can watch it. I don't know where else you could watch it from. But there's a lot of places you could watch it from. If you have the McLaren app, you probably could watch it there. If you have um, Sky Sports F1, you could watch it there. If That's all the places I know, honestly. But yeah, you should tune in and you should watch that. That's some F1 for you. But now here's some of the most Googled F1 questions. The first question people ask a lot is, how do I become a Formula 1 driver? Well, for starters, somebody once commented on a YouTube video. The person that commented was called is called george harrison and this is what they said and i quote as someone once said the best way to become a millionaire while racing is to start off as a billionaire end of quote what i'm saying is that you should have money aside from talent it's not just about talent you should have money but even if you don't have money then you should have a lot of luck or gold on your side because lewis hamilton didn't start out rich but he ended up rich anyway 
But here's the thing. I was listening to a podcast a few days back. It's called In the Pink by Natalie Pinkham. She's it's an F1 podcast. And she was talking to a former Formula One driver, and I think he's a test driver for Mercedes. I think that's he's also an F1 commentator. I think it's Anthony Davidson. I am sorry if I got the name right wrong. But he was talking about how, you know, he made the calculations with his team about getting into Formula One. From your childhood up to when you actually become a Formula One driver, it may cost you about five million pounds without including your travel costs and everything. So that's I know I started off by scaring you, but this is how you usually scare. Start F1. First, you start off in karting, although it's not a requirement, but it does help you a lot. And plus, many, most of the successful drivers started out by doing karting so you do karting and it's usually in europe that's why many of the drivers move have lived and grew up in europe if you want to get into f1 your best chances are to live in europe and usually started about six seven years apparently max verstappen i've listened to a bunch of interviews of his a number of interviews and he talks about how he was on a go-kart when he was four years old. Charles Leclerc said he did it when he was three years old. But that wasn't like at a competitive level. But they just were in go-karts at that time. So you probably want to move to Europe. Daniel Ricciardo did move to Europe when I think he was... I don't know how old he was. He was a bit young because he started go-karting at nine. But he did that in Perth, Australia. But many of the people, if you want to make it big, you want to live in Europe and do cutting and you can do cutting between eight years to 14 years and that's going to set you back about 50,000 euros to 100,000 um, pounds not euros pounds you guys pounds yeah and to participate in the international cutting season it probably costs 130 grand and that's in europe and that's one of the best cutting um experience um of cutting series that you can take part in which can kind of propel you to join f1 then after you do that then you can move to formula 4 or formula bmw and that's probably when you're about 14 to 16 years of age now you can still do cutting when you're 14 years i've seen older people do cutting but you're actually very late at doing that it's like you know going to med school to become a neurosurgeon when you're like 40 years that's i don't know whether you ever make it into the theater but anyway after you do cutting at probably 8 to 14 years then you move to formula bmw and you're probably 14 to 16 years there and it's going to set you back 200k 200,000 euros to 400,000 euros that depends and again it's not probably it's not really a necessity to do formula 4 i'm not sure but a lot of people did it and the, one of the best seasons series you can participate in when it comes to formula 4 is the formula 4 italian championship after that you move to formula 3 now formula 3 has different series across europe but the best one to take part in the one you should want to take part in is the fia formula 3 championship because then the fia teams formula 1 teams are kind of watching you well when i say watching i don't mean that total wolf is actually watching you on the track but their driver academies there are watching you and they kind of scout the good drivers in formula three if you're good then you can get supported by a team to join their driver academy there's the Renault driver academy the ferrari driver academy and the red bull driver academy but still even if you join a driver academy it's not automatic that oh my god your path to formula one is set because we rarely see the drivers in the driver academy actually taking the seats in f1 it takes a lot unless you're like a max verstappen or charlotte clay which means you have to be exceptionally good and then it comes to max verstappen he was exceptional he's exceptionally good driver and he also had you know his dad was in f1 so he kind of knew the ropes and all that now 
when you do well in F3, supposing you win a championship, and by the way, when you win a championship in Formula 3 or Formula 2, you can't take part in the series again. So you have to move to the next level or find somewhere else to be. So when you, let's say you win the championship in Formula 3, then you move to Formula 2. When you're in Formula 2, you're so close to F1. <laughs> it's so close to F1. Now, Formula 2 will cost you about 1 million to like 3 million pounds to participate in, to take part in, to really do your best. And when you move in there, it's tough. It's really tough because you're close to F1. You're competing. Now here, winning the championship in Formula 2, okay, you could think, oh, if I go to Formula 2 and I win the championship there, then I'm automatically going to get a seat in F1. Well, you're kind of wrong, wrong because look at, um, is it the 2018 F2 champion or 2019 F2 champion? I'm not sure of the years. was a Dutch guy called Van Dijk. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'll just stop there. But he's nowhere in Formula 1. He won the championship. He didn't get to Formula 1, but instead he got taken up by Mercedes into Formula E. So it's not automatic when you finish Formula 2 well that you get into Formula 1. Because now you see someone like Nikita Mazepin, he finished fifth in Formula 2. Um, was it la the other year? Last year. And now he's getting a seat in the Formula 1 team. And you look at someone like Callum Eilert, who finished second in Formula 2. And they're just in a driver academy in Formula 1. So it's it's a lot. And Callum Eilert is more talented than Nikita, in my opinion, when it comes to driving. But he doesn't. He's not really driving a Formula 1 car now. So you do have to be exceptionally good. You do have to have a lot of favor. And you do have to have a lot of money. A lot of money does help. Because many drivers are paid. When Nicolas Latifi from Formula 2 was paid to do, um, he's a paid driver in Formula 1. So anyway, this is the thing. After you finish Formula 2, then you move to Formula 1. You could move to Formula 1. Usually you start off as a reserve and test driver. London Norris began off as a test driver, reserve test driver. And then you can get into the Formula 1 seat if you're lucky or if you're good enough or you have if you have money. And at the end of the day, you spent years you know working so hard to get this opportunity which you might get which you might not get so sometimes i call it a gamble but that's how you get into formula one when you get to formula one you get paid according to your team and the amount of money you have so hope i answered that oh i forgot to say um how hard it is because now you can be in a driver academy if you're in the red bull driver academy when you come to formula one you're probably going to back in the day it was Toro Rosso, you were put in Toro Rosso, but now it's alpha Turi. so you join like alpha Turi, which is a team owned by red bull and then if you do so well in alpha Turi, then you're promoted to red bull that's what happened to alex Albon. he was in alpha Turi back then it was called Toro Rosso, and then he moved to red bull and then he was a red bull for one and a half seasons and then red bull dropped him now he's no longer in formula one pierre gasly was and the Red Bull Driver Academy, he moved to Alpha 2. Back then it was Toro Rosso. Now he's still in Alpha 2. Then he was promoted to Red Bull in Formula 1 still. And then he was demoted from Red Bull back to Alpha 2. And now he's in Alpha 2. So it's it's a tough sport, which kind of makes it more interesting to watch. But it's sad on behalf of the drivers. Now, the second question for today. How much is an F1 car worth? Woo, I don't know. And anyway, those are things that I also like to Google. Well, when it comes to an F1 car, I don't think they're all valued at the same price, depending on, you know, the amount of Grand Prix that car has won, the season it took it took part in, and the team that car belongs to. Because you can't compare the price of a Haas Formula 1 car to the price of a Mercedes Formula 1 car. Those two teams put in a lot d different kinds of money into their cars, so they are valued at different prices. 
then you can compare a car that was driven, raced in by um, Elaine Prost with a car that was raced in by someone who has never won a Grand Prix. That's, that's going to give you two different prices. So you have to look at, you know, which team that Formula One car belongs to, um, which season it participated in, how many Grand Prix it, it took part in and all that. But usually, I'm just going to give you an estimate. Uh, and the one car is estimated at about 15 million pounds i'm not sure but that, let's start from there if you want to really buy it just start imagining from there or if you just want to know start from there 13 million pounds to 15 million um pounds that's where because when you look at an f1 engine it's probably at 15 million to 10 million pounds an engine then the other parts uh, the the steering wheel is valued at a hundred thousand um as well the cooling system is very valued at 300k so it's price it's pretty pricey car but overall to answer the question how much an f1 car is worth it's probably worth 15 million around there i'm not sure about this i'm not sure about the full price and i told you i can't have like a full full price because there's a lot of things that make it different the team the season and the grand prix one then the third question is how to buy a formula one car wow <laughs> now that one is hard because first of all we talked about it last in the last question then first of all they're pretty pricey so you've got to really have the money but i had enough formula one podcast beyond the grid if you haven't listened to beyond the grid by tom clarkson i don't know what you're doing because it's a wonderful podcast but i had on beyond the grid um zach brown was being interviewed and he says he has a couple of formula one cars but that's understandable because he's a millionaire he even has a few nice cars here and there but see, the thing is, those Formula 1 cars are expensive. And it's highly unlikely for you to buy an F1 car if you don't have that amount of money. But let's say you do have the amount of money. You can buy an F1 car, but you just can't buy... There are things that you're not going to be able to do. For example, you can't buy a car that just finished an F1 season. You can't buy the Mercedes W11. That's very hard to do. Because for starters, uh, Mercedes loves to keep their cars in like a showroom for people to see. Then it's intellectual property. Just finished a season, you wouldn't want someone running off with, you know what used to win last season and they have it in their garages and then they just want to develop that car so they would need that exact car there so that's why you can't get a car from like last season or 2019 or 2018 that's very hard to get however you can get an older car like 2011 2012 around there probably around there i'm not sure and you can also get a car when a team is shut down or when a team is rebranded. So you probably can get a Renault F1 car because it was rebranded to Alpine. But then again, you guys, I don't really deal in this, but that's the thing. And you probably can get a BWT Racing Point car if you can fork out the money. So, But I heard that Zach Brown has the car Jackie Stewart won the Spanish Grand Prix in. In fact, that F1 car won six Grand Prix, so you can imagine how pricey it must be. Then he also has the 1974 Lola T332. He also has a Williams F1 car. He also has a car that was raced in by Aiton Senna. He's a rich guy. But anyway, the question was how to buy an F1 car. So they usually sold through private transactions. And I have this thing in me where I'm like, if you want something, then you definitely know where to find it. Like if you if you want to live in California, you probably know how to get to the agents in California. So I don't know. But and plus you could start from if you're a millionaire and you want to buy an F1 car, is you probably um you could start from Memento exclusives. Those guys usually sell um components of Formula One cars and longer needed. 
or you can reach out to F1 Authentics and then you'll be treated like the VIP that you are because you want to buy an F1 car. <laughs> wow, that is so cool. I mean, I wish I'm in that place. I'm like, oh, I just need to buy an F1 car. Where can I go? Then another question we got um, is how are F1 points awarded? Now, I talked about this in the last week's most Googled questions. But here is how it's done. In a race, the driver that comes first gets 25 points. The driver that comes second gets 18 points. The driver that comes third gets 15 points. You come fourth, you get 12 points. You come fifth, you get 10 points. You come sixth, you get 8 points. You come seventh, you get 6 points. You come eighth, you get 4 points. You come ninth, you get 2 points. You come tenth, you get 1 point. You come eleventh, between 11th and 20th, you get no point. And if you are a driver and you record the fastest lap of the race, you get a bonus point as well. Now, that's for the drivers. When it comes to constructors championships, teams need to have their drivers score as many points as possible in order for them to win the title that season. Because when you win that title, you get more money when it comes to F1 prize money at the end of the season. And then you attract more uh, brands team sponsorships you attract more brands to partner with you and then your fan base grows which is quite cool now another question second but not last but not least <laughs> how do f1 cars work wow i don't know how to answer that but this is the knowledge that i have on that so f1 cars we know they are not made like normal road cars the cars that you and i drive you know they're not made like the normal Aston Martin Vantage that you drive. <laughs> oh my God, I want to drive an Aston Martin. But they're not made like, you know, normal street cars. They're meant to be fast. They're meant to be driven, racing at like 200 miles per hour, 180 miles per hour. And you're not doing that kind of speed on a normal road. So they are kind of different. But they do have a few things like normal road cars. They have an engine, which is valued at 10 million dollars they have transmission they have transmission wheels they have brakes they have suspensions but i think that's where the similarity will come to an end because they don't have like our normal everyday cars they don't have rolling windows they don't have front lights the rear view mirrors are not as good so they don't really have the kind of indicators that normal cars have but now let me just break down like how a car works how the f1 car is what it looks like so you have the outside part which is the chassis it's the body of an f1 car and it's usually made out of a single piece of material these days the chassis usually or most of the chassis are made out of carbon fiber which is set in resin over aluminium mesh which makes the car lightweight and will also give the car extra speed and it also gives the car the ability to stand a great deal of forces acting upon the car going at that speed then within within the chassis is the cockpit where the driver sits and now interestingly i think you think the driver sits like a way a driver in a normal road car sits but no it's actually different they kind of sit um flat it's like they're almost laying down on the floor but uh, their torso is straightened so they have their legs straightened out to you know hit the pedals because they the formula one cars have two pedals to hit the pedals and that's pretty much how they sit in the cockpit. You could look for Lewis Hamilton, um, Mercedes F1 car. He did a video on how he sits in an F1 car, and I was surprised. They do race well seated, very close to the ground. The seat is tailor-made for the driver so that his movement in a race is limited because the car moves first. You don't want a driver to keep moving, you know, having so much space to wiggle through. 
but then you don't want to have too little space for them to be uncomfortable. You can look for Daniel Ricardo's Unboxed on McLaren YouTube. You'll see what I'm talking about. Then when it comes to the engines, the engines keep changing. Before 2006, F1 cars used V10 engines. Then after that, they moved to 2.4 liter V8 engines. Today, they use 1.6 liter V6 double changed engines. So you don't have the noise that you had back in 2000, the 2000s, and they use less fuel. So they they are kind of they are positive impacts to the climate. And did I just say to the climate, to the world? Then when it comes to steering wheel, that's um, a bit different from the normal steering wheel you have in your car. It's shaped differently. It's designed differently. The 2019 Mercedes F1 steering wheel had 25 buttons and switches. Five of the buttons changed the braking systems of a car. Three system, three switches control the differentiations. Differentiations. I don't know how to say that word. Differentiates. <laughs> differentiates. The differentials of the car. Yes, yeah, so that's how an F1 car works. So it works super speed, less fuel, a lot of changing of tires. Every after five miles, you need to change the tires. And then it has, when you're doing, when you're racing, driving an F1 car, you have to drive it at a certain speed so that, you know, the engine doesn't cool down too much or else it will fail. It's a bit complicated, but that's how it works. I hope it helped you. Lastly, which Formula One teams are best in the UK? Well, that's pretty simple. The ones off, off the top of my head, we have Mercedes AMG Petronas Formula 1 team. That's based in Brackley, United Kingdom. Red Bull Racing, best in Milton Keynes, United Kingdom. Williams Racing, best in Groove, United Kingdom. McLaren is based in the UK, as well as Renault, that's based in Enstone in the UK. Now, Renault was branded to Alpine, to the Alpine F1 team. Now, talking about F1 teams, I don't know. I don't think many people do know these things. But, okay, many people do. But it just took me by surprise. So I assumed everyone else didn't know. But last year, seven UK Formula 1 teams, seven teams that were best in the UK, came together to manufacture medical devices that helped aid in the treatment of patients that had contracted the coronavirus last year in 2020 those teams were aston martin red bull racing bwt racing point formula one team Haas formula one team mclaren formula one team mercedes amg petronas formula one team renault dp world formula one team and rocket williams racing it was named the project pit lane and it was a uk industry-wide effort to help the nhs deal with the outbreak of covid 19. so when it comes to formula one teams it's not it's not just about racing on the tracks. It's also about giving back to community and helping improve the technology when it comes to the medical world. In fact, I was listening to a podcast. I think it was either Beyond the Greed or In the Pink. I am not sure. But Claire, or was it the Nicole Roseberg podcast when Claire Williams was talking about how Williams Racing was working with medical um, with a medical team at a hospital to create technology that would improve the ventilation of premature babies. So they were creating ventilation kits and they were giving some knowledge. You know how a Formula One pit stop works? They work within seconds and it's kind of like a military operation or something like that. So the medical world is kind of looking at how Formula One teams do their work to kind of take their knowledge from F1 paddocks to the operating table in hospitals and alongside that Williams was able to help out when it comes to technology to building ventilation kits that helped premature babies so it's not just about racing it's also about giving back I suggest you should look for that 
really touched my heart. I was blessed by that. And the fact that he was actually Williams doing that, I was like, wow, that is, it's not even wow. That's an amazing thing to do to improve the welfare of children and adults living in there in Europe mainly, but those, that technology does move around the world. So it's not just impacting Europe only, but impacting a lot of people all over the world. Oh, that brings us to the end of this podcast. I am so late on the podcast, but I hope next week I am on time. And by the way, look out because between the week, probably tomorrow or Thursday or Wednesday, I'll be releasing a podcast talking about the McLaren Formula One launch. But thank you so much for listening in. I really, really, really do appreciate you taking out time from your day to listen to the ZF1 Amateur Podcast. Thank you so much. Let me know what you think. We can connect on social media. My handles are at ZF1 Amateur or Twitter is at Formula One Amateur, but you can still look for Z Formula One, ZF1 Amateur. That's spelled as Z-E-E-F-1 A-M-T-E-U-R. Or you can send me an email. My email address is theformula1amateur at gmail.com. I'll be glad to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening in. Until then, peace out. And oh my God, please watch the unveiling of the McLaren car.